onboarding. Is it a day of new joiner orientation or can it be so much more? I bet you know where we land on that question, but we'll talk about it next on the Learning Geeks podcast. All right. Welcome, gentlemen. This is Bob Gerard, and I am joined by my fellow geeks, Dana Cock hey. and Jake Kittleson. Hey, guys. And actually, today is kind of a day of firsts it on is. the podcast. So first thing is we have a new logo. So if you opened up your podcast app and you saw a different design, it was different. So Different. We, we like it. Yeah. We're going to get t-shirts. Yeah. We want to hear what you guys think. Yeah, I, I like it. But can we also also say who did it? Yeah, so, so my son Harrison, who Thank is an you. artist, and he's available for work. So just get in touch with me. <laughs> and if you Shameless can help, plug. yeah, exactly. If you can give him work that will help him pay his rent, that would be fantastic. But uh, yeah, we have our new podcast. We, well, we have our new logo. So, what other first do we have? Our other first is that we are all here live Whoa. together at the same place. So, I happen to be in Chicago this week. And so the three of us got together. So, for the first time on this podcast, we were all sitting in one room. So it's good to see you guys. And we have a beautiful view of the skyline of Chicago from where we're sitting. So hopefully it sounds good. That's all. I mean, our our conversation will be fine. I think so. So what other firsts do we have? One more first is this is the first time we have a guest. So sitting right next to me, my good friend and the global lead of onboarding for Accenture, Lauren Lobel. Lauren and I are sharing a mic. So Lauren, talk into this mic. Hello, everyone. And thanks so much for letting me be here today. Hey, we've got, one, we've got one yeah, more yeah, yeah. first. One more first. Okay. Jake needs to talk about our setup here. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, we are geeks of many, many things. Um, the other thing, at least I am, I'm a geek of audio and video gear, and I don't get the opportunity to actually buy it because I haven't had the op- need for it. But this is the first time. We've got a great setup here. We uh, recorder, mics, um, and, you know, since we're do it, we do it uh, live at home, we just use our own mics and right. talk to the computer, basically, by ourselves. But this, yeah, this so the audio sweeter. quality might be better on this one than yeah. previous ones. Audio right. quality is better, hopefully. And then we, you know, we have the iPad here with a soundboard. It's awesome. It wow, looks awesome. Fantastic. I mean, it's simple, right? Yeah. It is awesome. super simple. I mean, it was in my bag. That's all I needed. Right, cool. On the downside, I might be a little bit croaky because my alarm was set for 2 a.m. this morning to order the new iPhone and Apple Watch. <laughs> oh, did you get it? I did, but you know what? It was like 2 oh, because it was in Chicago, so it was 2 a.m. Uh, 2 05 a.m. Once I finished my bag, you out. know, and I went to check it out. Yeah, so October 5th is when I'm going to get it, so I won't have it on opening day. So I really didn't need to well, wake and, up at 2 a.m. Since this is an audio cast, people won't be able to see it anyway. No, exactly. But they can go we'll online. We'll take pictures and they of take, it. Yeah, we can take but you got yeah, the yeah. watch and I did. I got the watch okay. and I got the what is it? It still sounds like a Taco Bell. Did you get product, the Max? The Max XS XS Max. Yeah. 10X Max. Just order. With, and the highest memory. So I've got like, I will have a half of a terabyte. If it's a Taco Bell thing, it needs to be wrapped in some type of chicken, <laughs> right? That and it's going to contain. Probably be just a, as tasty. It's also going to contain like a Mountain Dew Code Red or something. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and Lauren's a little croaky. Lauren's had a cold all week. So we've been working and she's had a cold. So, yeah, she so when you listen little, to Lauren, this is not normally what she sounds like. It's not her normal like. It's a great tones. voice, but it's not what she normally yeah. sounds like. But let's get to it. We wanted yeah. to have Lauren onboarding. on. And, you know, the space of onboarding is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I don't even know if you guys know this, but when I got into the corporate world, my plan was to be a technical writer. I wanted to write documentation and books about computer stuff. 
And then I started at Anderson Consulting in 1989. I went to the new joiner experience, which at that point was six weeks long, including three weeks in St. Charles, working like a million hours a day. And it was such a profound, positive experience for me. That's when I was like, that's really what I want to do. I don't want to write books so much. I want to do stand-up training. And that's how I got into the corporate learning field. I've worked with onboarding for a long time. And Lauren and I have worked on onboarding stuff together for a long time. So we're really happy to have you here. Well, thanks, Bob, so much for that warm introduction, and I'm really happy to be here. And it's interesting to hear your story about how you got into your field and area. Mine is somewhat similar. Um, I worked in the education field before I came to Accenture for a very brief time. And then when I first joined, I came into Accenture in more of the consulting capacity, but over time gravitated back towards my roots. And I've been really excited about the opportunity that our global talent organizations provided to really think about onboarding differently. Historically, Accenture has really used it as a program where we're just pushing information out that Accenture needs, and more and more we're shifting towards a cultural opportunity and a focus to really get people excited to win their hearts and minds, and that's been a really exciting journey and transformation. So years ago, um, prehistoric times when I joined the firm, <laughs> we, uh, I actually, one of my original projects was creating um, an online uh, onboarding experience, NJO, and uh, we had, we created a very creative way of delving into the information. We designed a, a menu structure that had never been designed before. It, this was like when visual design was starting to be Yeah, and what did you guys build? Was it, was it what was it, Toolbook? Toolbook, yeah, it was. Yeah. That's right, it was Toolbook. I remember this long ago. Days. But And it was a guy by the name, Ed Gotsman worked yeah. with us, right? Yeah. And he had been studying, um, he was a tech guy, but he'd been studying uh, at the Art Institute because he was trying to think outside of his normal discipline. And he said, you know, we could do some really cool things visually. And so we did. But the interesting thing about that, it was really more of like an information dump, yeah. right? I mean, it was like, where do you go to get this information? Where do you go to get that? And I think sometimes that's what people think onboarding is. And, and, and at that time, that's what we were commissioned to build. So that's what we, what we built. So we're dialing in on the question that I opened the show yeah. with. So onboarding can sometimes be thought of as kind of an afterthought, right? It, it's, it doesn't have a lot of prominence in your typical list of high-profile learning programs that a big company is going to have. It and, just and kind some, of happens. Sometimes that's evidenced by where onboarding is housed, right? I mean, is it housed with HR? Is it housed with training? Is it housed with lead? I mean, recruiting? Right. I mean, who, who owns it? And and when you look at different companies, it, it lands in different places, which is part of the confusion. And um, to sort of further that point, when I speak to companies externally, it can be the tail end of recruiting. It can be just the very beginning of learning. And I think often it gets lost in the jungle a bit. And that's where we have such a strong strategic opportunity to not only teach and engage. It's when people are really nervous. They're excited. If you go in a room and ask people, okay, just remember, what do you remember about your first day? It doesn't matter if it was a week ago or 10 years ago. Folks will remember something. And so we know we have a very powerful moment and emotional opportunity. Yeah, I know I've shared this story before, but um, I, my first day of orientation was really hard. And I ended up going home and just laying on the floor with a pounding headache. And I I called a friend and I said, can you bring me some aspirin? <laughs> so, Poor Dana. I, the, the next day I got up and I thought, I got to go through this again. So I, I was going to ask one of the first questions, I guess, to, to Lauren, is that now that we know that I think the importance of onboarding, what it can be, right? I think all, all of us are very passionate about uh, onboarding. What have you been doing differently 
to uh, really create that experience to capture hearts and minds? I think the first step was really to take a, a research and a human-centered approach. That helped us. We knew we had a great opportunity, but we really had to help sell that to our leadership and help our broader Accenture organization understand what an important area this is. So we already had a lot of great ideas and a lot of innovations, but that was the first really important big step for us. After we had more of that business support, we were then able to take a look at the experience end-to-end. And our definition is, we think about it at Accenture, and companies think about it in different ways. In my research, there isn't, I don't think there's one right or wrong definition. But given that we're a people-based organization, our people are our product in many ways. We have our offer accept period through our first year is how we classify it. And that doesn't mean my team owns everything happening in the middle. It just means that we know we want to oversee that experience and that journey. So the types of programs we've been thinking about is, well, we know orientation is already built in. It's a historic part of our structure. What can we do before people begin to start to get them excited and do something different than a recruiting message or a typical Accenture.com message where we're trying to sell work to our clients? That's sort of the first area we started to look at. Then we also looked at, well, all right, if we're doing more and we're building a really exciting countdown to Accenture experience before people begin, could we do something similar after? And what do we do to help extend that learning, make a more durable experience as people are coming on after they complete that class? And then the other area is we went back to orientation itself. And we thought a little bit about, well, we do a lot of PowerPoint because in our model, we are very distributed. We're, we're decentralized. Many companies are able to bring people together in bigger forums. We don't have that. So we use a lot of PowerPoint as sort of classic learning methods. So we've also been thinking about transforming that experience entirely and how do we make it much more experience-based so that it is much more powerful and memorable. And um, so those are some of the ideas that we've been thinking about. Yeah, the whole event versus a journey thing is, I think, important not only for onboarding but for a lot of learning programs. So one thing I think about a lot with onboarding is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, if you go back to that. Because... At the moment that you take a job with a new company, it, it's significant change, right? It, it's like a psychological blow. You know, it can, it can be almost trauma, even if you're super excited about your new job. It's such a profound change. And so you kind of wind up going into survival mode, and then you're looking at Maslow's hierarchy. So, you know, you need to think first about... How am I going to eat? How am I going to keep breathing? How am I going to live? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Who am I going to eat lunch with? But before you start thinking about, uh, you know, kind of the headier topics of what's my five-year plan and what's the impact I want to make on the company. And Lauren, I'm curious about your thoughts with that and how have you looked at that and, and making sure that you're hitting people's needs when they need them? So in our research, we took a look at this continuum for how our Accenture people feel. And this might be different at each company. And that's where I encourage everyone to take a look at your own culture, your own values, and what you need. But we took a look at initially we want people to feel comfortable. We want them to feel like they are empowered to learn and excited. And then later on, we're confident to extend out and build those networks. For us, networking is such a huge component of success here. And so that's been a very important journey in terms of thinking about what's the right type of experience at different points in time. The other angle for us that's very complex is because we onboard over 100,000 new joiners a year, which is a massive, massive scale, we are partnering with our geographies and our businesses to be successful. And so my team is looking at the global component, but we need to be thinking also about how the localization can happen. So when we think about those early needs – 
a lot of those early needs may not be owned by my team. It might be very, what are my local benefits and how do I know that I'm going to have the right equipment at the right time? So in parallel with a lot of our experience-related work that we've been thinking through, get people really excited and energized, we've also been taking a closer look at more tactical elements to get those logistics right, remove those stresses and know that that stuff is going to run more smoothly, which leaves more airtime to be able to focus on these really transformational experiences. So one of those needs that I think of a lot, especially on the first day, is, you know, you have your basic needs. You know, where's the bathroom? Where's, you know, how do I, what's my benefits, blah, blah, blah. But I think one of the most important ones is, do I belong here? Right. And did I make the right decision? Um, and I think that's a huge impact, especially as we think of, um, and we had this conversation the other day of looking at people's LinkedIn profile and how the, the constant change now that people shift jobs um and they can shift jobs very very quickly mm-hmm. especially if they don't feel this this wasn't the right choice or i don't have a, an opportunity to maybe to grow um or again feel like i belong so i guess what what are some of the things that you're thinking about or what are some things that people can start to think about that also are all running onboarding programs or find it interesting what can they start to do Well, when I talk to clients um, and Accenture teams that help support our clients, the first thing I ask or suggest is oftentimes you already have some of the materials available to get people really excited. So I always joke I'm very jealous of a a products company because they have a product that is probably very well advertised that you can immediately show someone a video about or a commercial or even some history. Um, I remember when we visited Coca-Cola, the Coca-Cola Museum so long ago, and it was I was like, gosh, they have such a great museum. And I've had a chance to visit 3M's museum now and Facebook, you know, all these different places where I visit, American Airlines. They have these amazing histories. So I encourage everyone to think about what do you already have at your disposal? And that's actually where we started with some of our programs. What historical information do we have that we can help to get people excited about our mission, why we connect, what we do, and what value we bring? Um, Other things in terms of excitement is certainly getting to know your people and what motivates them. And that might be different in different parts of your business, but articulating those opportunities and giving your new people an opportunity to think about during their first days how they fit in and what story they can tell to their family and their friends about what they see themselves doing. And it may be that this is a journey. I know at Accenture we talk about that a lot because there are many paths you can take. But really helping them to visualize why they are so, we are so excited to have them and what they're going to be bringing to the table gives them something to latch onto and start to feel a sense of pride and connection to. So they can bring that out and that can sort of form the basis of their identity at their company. Yeah, often what I visualize when we talk about onboarding is when someone leaves the experience, what do they say and what do they do afterwards? Do they go home to their families and say, I am so excited? This is awesome. And then, you know, be able to give an idea of what they're going to be doing. Or, you know, did you know that our company helps with this? And, you know, we're going to save the world and whatever the other things, messages that companies portray. Or do they say, what did I get myself? Exactly. Exactly. Did they lay on the floor with a headache? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody bring me some aspirin. So so do we think the first day is all about building uh, or feeling a part of a culture? I think there's some different components. And this is something that we've been thinking a lot about. So we've redesigned our current model, and this is something that we're exploring getting out more, where we have more of an experience-based program, where people are touching and feeling and discovering and learning in small teams. 
think of it as an escape room type of concept minus being locked in a room where you're bringing teams together, you're having fun, you're learning about Accenture. Same learning objectives, just entirely different format. We found that to be very powerful. The program is built around what we need folks to be successful, how, what they need to be successful here. So a big part of that is connections and networking and also getting their own name and word out as you talk about LinkedIn even. You know, what does your internal profile look like? What does your external profile look like? And how are you going to, what are the next steps you're gonna take in terms of training to get yourself ready to be here? Um, and so that's where I think we have some really exciting opportunities. For us also at Accenture, that is our number one time that we have people together in that environment. So we also are thinking very creatively about our more virtual opportunities before and after. What can we do with virtual reality? What can we do with augmented reality? How do we use broadcast has been a very powerful tool for us. Um, I don't know if you all have talked about that before, but that might be an interesting, uh, interesting also to, to discuss, which is whether you're a small company or a large company, there's so much you can do with a new joiner communication channel. And we have a show here called Ready, Set, Accenture, which Bob and I have, Bob, Bob's concept, and we've partnered on, which is a show where we bring our most senior people directly to our joiners and say, what do you have to say? What do you think made you successful? What are your tips? And oftentimes, really anyone in the company would benefit from the messages we're sharing because Accenture changes so quickly and we have a lot of innovation, as many other companies do as well. So we, again, are thinking more and more about how do we continue to create a safe place for folks to learn and feel comfortable where they feel some content is, adap is adapted or intended just for them. So, Lauren, I've got a, a question. Uh, uh, some of our listeners are not necessarily from companies the scale of Accenture, right? So if you were to boil it down to two or three things that you think would be kind of universally applicable, whether you're, you know, onboarding two people or 100 people or you know, a thousand people. Are there some things that come to mind that you think would be really helpful for some of our listeners in different circumstances to understand? Um, in terms of the actual programming or the approach to take? I would say the, the approach. The approach. Yeah. Okay, so the key, my from my experience, regardless of size, you'll want to make sure you have the right partnerships with your leaders. And in at our company falls within human resources, but we also are partnering with business leaders. We really have to articulate and make sure we have the support for why this is an important piece of our journey. Um, the second piece that's important is coming up with some sort of standard framework. Many companies have different types of people coming into different roles. Being able to articulate a little bit of the journey that each person's going to take, I think is really important. And the third part is, I think just having fun creatively. You can take some of the ideas we have at, on bigger scale and you can definitely make them more simplified so that they work for you. And in return, I often get the best new ideas from partnering with people way outside of my area or um, people who are at other companies with an entirely different business model, but like, hey, why don't we try that out? Like, why not? And I think that um, the joiner space is a really fun one because our people are, they're excited, they're nervous. We have a great opportunity to mentor them and get them, get them ready and set up. So those are three things that I would think about and I often advise when I'm talking to others or, co or colleagues at other companies. Excellent. So, yeah, so I, Bob, I've got a question for you, uh, and it relates because I know you've been heavily involved in a lot of the onboarding stuff, as is Jake and I. But um, it, it's, it sounds like the days of the PowerPoint slog when you walk in on day one should be gone. Absolutely. What's your, what are your thoughts and comments on that? And we know, and I think I'll actually talk about this on our next podcast a little bit. Great. We know 
that when you sit a bunch of people down in a room and you just start throwing PowerPoint slides at them, that their immersion and their focus gradually decreases if it's not already at rock bottom. So at that point, you're basically just talking to rocks yeah. as far as it's concerned. You're not getting any benefit. So And when you talk about durability, right, neurologically, there are things that happen when people get get that bogged way down. With, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So we keep thinking, what is what are the experiences that we can design that will keep people engaged, immersed, that they're having fun, and at the same time, they are wrestling with significant topics, they're thinking deeply about things, they're really engaging with themselves and then engaging with each other on those topics. That's the, you know, that's where immersion starts peaking and that's where you're gonna get the most bang for the buck. So if we can create experiences like that very early in somebody's career, then we're gonna have, we're not gonna have the lying on the floor having a headache. An aspirin. <laughs> we, right. We're gonna have a lot more of the, I'm coming home and it's gonna be, you are not gonna believe what I did today. It, I'm so, I'm sold, and I made the right choice to come to this company. And you should come work for them too. Exactly. And I think it's key too is that it's not just on the first day. Yeah. There's more opportunities that we can do beyond that, right? And and really get them immersed. I Jake, I, I think that's really important to be thinking about because onboarding is a tremendous opportunity, and with the right advocate, I think you can really help to articulate that. But it also can be given credit for and blamed for way more than it can actually control. So it's. I don't say that as a warning. I say that just more of as an awareness point. So, for example, you have a phenomenal first day. You're able to design a great experience. You need a place where then you know your folks are going to managers or to teams that those messages are coming through. They're getting the support that they need, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's an interesting – we touch a lot of areas, which is what makes this – why it's something I'm so passionate about. It's really interesting. There's a new challenge every day. Um, but also have to be realistic about, okay, which parts of this puzzle are the right ones for me to start with. So that's my other like big tip I would say is try to prioritize. Think about where you're going to have the biggest impact first because those early successes and our early successes absolutely pave the way for the broader experience changes we're making. So I think we're probably going to wrap up here a little bit. Um, but I, I wanted to throw out a challenging question that has nothing to do with your current onboarding, at least. Um, and probably for all of us to discuss, because one of the topics we talked a lot about is, is just building better learners overall. So I had a really good conversation with the Learning Nerds podcast, which is a separate podcast, but the, these, uh, these ladies work at Smart Sparrow, and really great conversation with them. And they brought up this idea that when they work with people in the higher education space, especially students, they often are working to gamify education, meaning that they've been around for so long and they've basically mastered how to ace tests or ace the, um, their courses. Um, Didn't we kill that word gamify? Well, we laid it to rest. We, we did, R-I-P. but I'm only... I'm this only, is why. This I'm, is why. Exactly, but yeah. I'm only pulling what they said. It's their quote. Okay, yeah, fair this enough. This is their quote. So. Fair enough, okay. I know. We, we killed gamification usage. Are you using that word? Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I'll stop using it. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, you know, they're trying to, they, they know how to master the system, I guess. But that doesn't mean that they're actually being really good learners because when they go beyond the diploma and they still have a lot of those rituals that aren't really that effective, nor can they really do that beyond the diploma, how important 
can onboarding, uh, how, how important can onboarding be in the role of helping people become better learners and changing that mindset of not just trying to master uh, a tester do that because again they can't do it here so what do you think what are some ideas that you think that uh onboarding can play a role in that space you know i think in that scenario so like people who are coming right out of university setting i wonder if during the onboarding experience if you can just give them the awareness mm -hmm. like make sure that they realize it, this is going to sound very you know kind of preachy and pedantic but hey you're in the real world now you're not going to have to take a test. You don't get to take a test. What Your test is whether you can do the work or exactly. not. Exactly. You're going to be evaluated on the value that you are creating, the value that you're creating for your clients, the value of your product. And so you can't take shortcuts in your learning. Your learning has to be focused on giving you the skills and abilities that you need to deliver what you need to do. And it's not just, quote, unquote, air quotes, learning, how do I take the test? What's the letter of the day on the ACT that I keep guessing when I don't know what the answer is? I think there's two things that come to my mind. And, and one is, first of all, I think uh, during early on, maybe in onboarding, you need to give them license to learn, right? Because they may not be aware that, yeah, this is a culture where we learn, right? So give them license to learn. The second thing is inform them of the resources that are available. Right. If if your company partners with external vendors, whether it's a Skillsoft or an edX or a Udemy or whatever it may be, Coursera, if you or if you have internal resources, let them know what those things are and, and what the expectation is that you continue to learn so that, to Bob's point, you can be a top performer. And along with license to learn comes freedom to fail. Yeah. And knowing that it's better to take a risk and make a mistake and then take the feedback from it and learn and get better the next time. Right. We don't want people coming in as new joiners and being so scared about making a mistake that they don't take the risk that they need to actually learn. Yeah. And we talked about this last week, or the last episode too, is, is just the notion of being curious, mm -hmm. you know, sharing your curiosity, as well as constantly feeding it and then think of it as a loop. And I think just ingraining that into as they get older, and, and, and again, we're not just talking people straight out of college either. We're, we're talking experienced hires that have these old habits. But Well, and I think that's a, that's, that's a key point, is each organization has a bit of a different approach. And I think hearing directly from the leaders on what is expected and what opportunities are out there and ways to do it. Because we're learning more and more, there's more and more ways that people like to learn. And I think that, I know we at Accenture are thinking more and more about the different opportunities and the different ways that might work better for one person, not so well for somebody else, and trying to open those up. So it's a question of going to find those, encouraging people to look. So Lauren, thank you for being our first guest. It was so much fun to have you here Yay. and to share a microphone with you, um, even though you're sick. Hopefully I won't get <laughs> sick, but that's okay. How can our listeners find you on the social medias, Lauren? Well, I would love to connect with anybody that has any questions. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn at Lauren W. Lobel, L-O-B-E-L, on Twitter at Lauren Lobel, and then Instagram on Lauren W. Lobel. That's right. And if you follow Lauren on Insta, you will see her gorgeous children <laughs> and her, uh, her really cool husband. Her husband, Scott's a cool guy. 
We should have him on sometime, and we can tell his basketball. We could talk about basketball. basketball. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that would be pretty amazing. He does have some doozies that he's very proud of. <laughs> he does. I will, I will give you that, and um, I will. I'm sure he'd be happy to come on anytime. But meanwhile, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been so great chatting with you guys as always. Thank you, and thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, this has been the Learning Geeks podcast. We will see you next time for our next episode. Take care. All right, thanks, guys. Bye.